welcome to the Top Order podcast, 8th of November here in New Zealand. Who'd have thought the final day dramas, Netherlands and South Africa, Pakistan, Bangladesh and even India, Zimbabwe would throw up so many dramas really, I guess, through that sort of final part of the tournament. We're going to do exit interviews, we're going to talk about the semi-finals, a quick overview about what's going on with the personnel in that. No baldy for an explainer, but I'm sure we will cope. The keys to the semi-finals for those four teams. And then look, our bold predictions recap and new predictions, I think, necessary for the semi and the final. But all coming up on the Top Water Podcast. So, boys, I guess leading into that final day, that, that group really didn't have that permutation in mind when we went into the early fixture, which was, the, I think, a 10.30 kickoff, wasn't it? Uh, Netherlands and South Africa. I think Mark Boucher's come out in the press and said his um, charges caught a little bit cold with the early start. So I, I don't know whether they'd not got a chance to, you know, get the Breville Barista Express going and get a couple of flat whites into themselves <laughs> early uh, that morning in Adelaide, which then made that Pakistan-Bangladesh game a, a winner-takes-all shootout in Group 2 or Group B, whatever it is. So, um, look, we, we've got to start with that final day drama because everybody knows what's coming. We're going to be getting on to a little bit of jingoistic preparation for these semi-finals. Baldy um, has left the podcast, um, you know, <laughs> b- because of Australia's demise in their home tournament. Um, but no, joking aside, Baldy not with us um, tonight. But for Australian cricket, I think we can talk a little bit about that as we go through. The grounds haven't probably been as full as you would have liked um, for a tournament of this magnitude, um, you know, Australian. Um, punters not filling the grounds as, as they would in other parts of the world potentially will come on to. But what were you, what was your take on that crazy final day of Group B, guys? Oh, look, I, I was trying to... Um... I was trying to think today, how am I going to defend South Africa? Because I obviously came out quite strong in that preview podcast about, um, you know, that they were going to win this tournament. And, you know, halfway through that first group stage, I guess, for for, for them, it looked quite promising. They obviously beat India and they'd, they'd, you know, pretty unlucky, I think, that game against Zimbabwe. They could have well been just about qualified already. It seemed like they were going to qualify. Everyone was penciling them in. Everyone was going, okay, well, we've got New Zealand to play. When New Zealand's now made it, they're going to play South Africa. How, you know, how are we going to go? We always beat South Africa in mm. semifinals and, court, you know, knockout games. This is quite good. And then Netherlands just come out. And uh, to be honest, South Africa, you know, I don't think they ever really looked like winning that game, did they? They were just beat. I mean, you know, you can think, you can t- give them as much sort of excuse as you want the I don't think any of that stuff is is kind of fair because they were just outplayed by a better side on the day. I I think a lot of it comes down to that chase. If, if I go back and have a look, I, unfortunately, I didn't watch the game. I, all I have to look at is the, is the scorecard. And if I look at that scorecard, it's a very strange scorecard for a chasing team. There's a lot of runner ball stuff there. It's kind of like they were trying to take it really deep into that innings and then win it at the end. And it kind of just fell apart or there was trouble at the end. But... Look, I think it's what we've been talking about uh, in regards to South Africa over the last couple of months. They're a really good side, got some really good uh, bones, maybe. Can we call it bones? But there's just they just they just have inconsistency. And, you know, they should have chased that target down, but you can't take anything away from the Netherlands. They uh, had their opportunity and they took it. 
and it's yeah. huge for the it's huge for the Netherlands, isn't it? Because they they now qualify for the for the next T Twenty World Cup. They finish fourth in that group, and they so they finish in the top eight. I think of is how it works, and that, and now they're qualified for the twenty twenty four World Cup. So yeah, just awesome for them. Yeah, I guess they were sort of you know they were the precursor to Ireland, weren't they? As one of those associate nations that. Um, cause the odds, you know, and you've got to say that this is an upset. I, I know we've talked a lot throughout the course of the tournament that these guys deserve to be here, and they absolutely do because I think the, their performances have made this a much richer tournament. We look at Ireland, we look at um, even Scotland in the you know the early stages, um, and then um, the, the Netherlands coming in, but they just batted really, really well. You know, they've got four of their six guys that got in struck at over a hundred and twenty odd. Um, Max O'Dowd, Takapuna, uh, boy now, uh, big money transfer to Hibiscus Coast and <laughs> kind of just played that sort of runner ball role, didn't he? But um, Cooper and, and Ackerman and then even that little cameo from Scott Edwards, the keeper, who played this bizarre like reverse scoop. Like it was the sort of reverse ramp. I've never yeah. seen that before. Just came in and put the icing on the cake at, of an innings that probably looked like it was going to finish in the 140s. And then they had a really good final over and kind of got it above 150, uh, close to 160. And, and like Raj said, um, there just didn't seem to be that um, plan. But I think you've got to give credit to the to the Netherlands bowling attack, um, particularly, particularly Brandon Glover, who came in and... Um, you know, whenever you go for less than five and over in T20, regardless of, of how many overs you bowl, it's a bit of a result, isn't it? Even if it's just burgling and over up top. And, and to come in and take um, three for uh, three for nine off his two at the stage that he did was, you know, was fantastic. Um, but I, I guess before we be, before we move on, any further, further comments? Because it then just really changed the dynamic, didn't it, of that Pakistan-Bangladesh game, which was going into it going to be a, a bit of a dead rubber, really. Oh yeah, I mean, look that. Uh, I think that Vandermeer catch was was the moment when he when he caught Miller, and uh, it's another sort of cracker from Ian Smith. The, the passport says he's old, but his legs say he isn't. He just Smithy Smithy's just. I don't, you know, he, he surely hasn't got that written down. But that that was just fantastic. But I mean, you know, like you say, it then went into Pakistan, uh, Bangladesh, and that game that game was just as bizarre. I think it was just a comedy of errors. It felt like sort of no one wanted to win at times. Bangladesh was a complete shambles. We had the Shakib LBW that was, I don't know. I have no idea how that was, you know, not over, you know, not overturned or not, um, you know, that that was given out. It just, yeah, it felt like every, anyone, you know, Pakistan was just kind of creeping, creeping towards that game. And then finally kind of just took control at the end. And, and even later in the day, you know, India looked vulnerable for a moment against Zimbabwe. So yeah, just a, a you know bizarre sort of final day. But here we are, Pakistan creeping through to the to the to the semis. Raj, your view on that uh, umpiring decision? Did you did you see that? Have you seen the sort of coverage of that? There's been some talk, I think, around umpiring in general in this tournament, not perhaps being um, you know as good as it could be. But yeah, any thoughts having seen the aftermath of that? Looks as if Raja just Raja just lost us. So whilst he gets his um, connection back, Lippy, I mean, given out LBW, I think on the field, and I, I suppose the protocol then is the umpire's got to find a, a, a reason for it not to be given. Um, but yeah, it, it was strange the way they kind of rock and rolled it. Um, appeared as if they were getting to the right decision, and then miraculously came to to the wrong one. 
was that really the <laughs> turning point in the game, though? Well, I don't know if it was the turning point. And, and yeah, I mean, you guess you never know, right? Because, you know, they still didn't make a decent, a great score. They, you know, when you're chasing 130, it's very different than if you were ch- if you say Pakistan could have been chasing 150, 160. They, the way they go about it is probably very different as well. So, I look, I don't think it is, but I think that the way, the way you sort of describe that there kind of sums it up in terms of it was just a calamity, wasn't it? I mean, I don't think anyone watching... It's sort of one of those things when when anyone's watching something on TV and everyone watching is going, okay, well, that's not out because there's a clear mark on the um, on Snicko. And it even, like, you rock and roll the video and it looks like it takes a deflection. It's not like, it's not like there's any confusion. I think there's been a couple of cases in this tournament where... Uh, batters have hit the ground at the same time as uh, the ball has gone past. And actually, I think quite rightly, and certainly in um, the case that I'm thinking of, was given not out. And, and those sort of situations are fine. But yeah, I don't know. Just a, a very bizarre one and kind of yeah, just added to, to all the drama of, of that final day. And then, look, I guess the, the last game in that group... Um, Really was, I guess, the only thing on the India Zimbabwe game was potentially the way around the semi-finals um, were going to work, but um, normal service resumed in terms of the bookmakers for that game. Uh, India uh, resounding uh, winners, and and perhaps ominous for well for anyone left in the tournament really that might come up against uh, India, not least England. That uh, KL Rahul and uh, Surakarma Yadav in form striking you know 145 and 240 odd I think uh, respectively and a late change as well with Rishab Pant coming back into that um, uh, that batting line which I'm sure we'll talk about as we um, as we preview the, the semi-finals but any other takeaways for, from that game for you boys just just on the India game I find it interesting with with Pant coming into that side I thought if they were going to bring him in he may open the batting or he may bat you know, up the order, but um, it's interesting. He came in there and it was like a direct swap for um, for Dinesh Kartik there, but in fact pushed Hardik Pandya down. So I'm not sure that's the right order uh, that India is going to go with. But um, geez, that Surya Kumar Yadav is in some form, is he not? He he is hitting the ball very hard to great and accessing great parts of the ground. Um, and the scary thing about India when we you know talk about you know what's to come in the semi-finals is that. Rohit Sharma has not even made an impact on this World Cup so far, so uh, you won't keep him quiet, I don't think, in the next next stage. So very, very, uh, very tough team to beat, India. Before we move, like I know we're just about to go into sort of some of the other teams that have, I guess, left the tournament. And um, I, I will just say um, on Surya Kumar I mean, honestly, he, what what's more than a million dollars? He looks more than a million dollars. He looks a, a trillion dollars at the moment. That was. Yeah, un- unbelievable innings, and um, yeah, the way he's batting is is amazing. But if we're talking about late drama, Binksy, how we take us through how you were feeling about England and Sri Lanka? Because I I should have known better, probably given the the state of this tournament. But Butler and Hales were smashing it. It was down to pretty much a runner ball, and I thought, here's my chance. I can go to bed before midnight, get a get a you know a decent sleep into this tournament, and then I wake up in the morning and. It's down to the wire, you know, what, two balls to go? So I didn't see the end of that game, but how were you feeling as they sort of crept to the finish line? Yeah, so I'd be interested to get your boys' view on this as well. But I think 
if I listen to the England vernacular is, you know, that they've got a plan that they're going to play in a particular way and be aggressive all the way through. And then you look at some of the sort of older school commentators who just, you know, talked about potentially the way that that chase went and, you know, did Livingston coming in and shank him on and getting caught trying to hit a six when they were at a runner ball at that point or what was required. Do you just then kind of go down a gear and play more sensible uh, cricket? I've got to say that maybe that's my view and I don't know whether that's old fashioned and that I'm wrong and, and they're right in terms of just continuing to sort of go for things regardless of the, you know, of the game situation. But certainly I think if I look at the, um, the, the heart rate monitor that I had on throughout the course of the game, um, it was, you know, pretty good. I was down into the 70 beats a minute with Josh Butler and Alex Hales going. And then as Brooke Livingston and Ali and, and even Sam Curran came in, um, yeah, my, my Apple Watch was telling me there was a malfunction and, and I might need to go to an emergency room. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I've got to th- I've got to say I think they made it very very difficult. Um, not least it you know prolonged my bedtime by twenty minutes more than than was necessary on a on a on a Saturday night. Yeah, I, I actually I'll go with the latter there. Where you when you're talking about the betting sort of tactics, when you've got it down to run a ball, I think you've you've got to play the numbers there. You've got to knock it around, get to sort of the 15th over and then, what, then have a dash? I don't know. But you've got to take it a little bit deeper than just keeping, you know, keeping the foot to the um, to the floor there. It created a lot of palpitations, as you said. And uh, I didn't actually see the back half of that innings like you, Stu. I went to bed early. What, was that was that some uh, – was that, was it uh, Hasaranga that caused that, those issues? It looks like he got a couple there towards the end. Banksy. Oh, back to back to me because you went to bed as well early. Did you? Did you, Stu? Yeah. Yeah. Look. Look. Yeah. Look. I. I don't think there was. You know. It was really ever in doubt. But certainly they made it harder than it was. And yeah, certainly you know Hasaranga came in, got a couple of got a a couple of wickets, um, a, a fantastic catch, and then a. A, a really innocuous sort of caught and bowled. Alex House just kind of bunted one back to him, trying to trying to sweep. So, um, yeah, look, hearts in mouths for for a little period of time. But I think when you kind of reflect on it, they still got home relatively comfortably. I just think it could have been even more comfortable. I think, um, you know, which is which is the disappointing thing. Well, look, we uh, let's move to a, a part of the episode that I'm sure all of us are, are going to enjoy. I, I know we want to talk about our teams in the semi-finals, but We've got to talk about Australia, don't we? First, I know uh, you mentioned it before, Baldy, not on the podcast to even defend Australia, and it, it's sort of something that he doesn't really do anyway. He actually called me on on Sunday before he jumped on his his flight to kind of give me his his thoughts, really, and uh, and you know talk about how Australia's failure and and all of this stuff. And it, yeah, wasn't wasn't very um, wasn't exactly defending them. So, I mean, I. He told me that they had the the difference in the run rate, and I'm not going to check this. I'm I'm not going to get out a calculator, but it was only 50 runs across the tournament. I don't you you guys might know for sure, but if that's the case, they've probably not done a very good job here. To you know, I know I know in most you know if we're actually looking at the tournament, they lost one big game, right? They lost to New Zealand, so I don't I don't think it's a complete disaster of a tournament for them. They lost one big game to New Zealand and then they had the other big game that was supposedly going to be the big game of the tournament 
or in, in that pool, Australia, England was rained out. So there's not much they can do about that. But if you're talking about tournament management and even going into that last game against Afghanistan, we were thinking, okay, all the talk before that game was, how's Australia going to boost their run rate? And we got halfway through that game and it was, or maybe not even halfway through, and it was like, how's Australia going to win this game and make sure they keep the pressure on Australia? So, yeah, I don't think they did a great job in terms of tournament management. But, yeah, I don't know. I'd be interested to hear what you guys think about actually their side because I think all of us thought, well, all of us predicted they would make the semifinals. All of us were talking about how they were one of the strong contenders to, to win this tournament. And here we are, semifinal time, and they're not there. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll jump in. I've got to say, I think, as you say, Lippy, tournament management, the selection seemed muddled at times. You know, Cameron Green, let's not forget, wasn't even in the squad um, two weeks before the tournament started, despite, obviously, the performance he'd put in playing um, for Australia in the in the lead up to the tournament, in the kind of warm ups and things like that, and um, Steve Smith wasn't really in the starting lineup, and then kind of came back in. Um, Mitch Marsh obviously was injured, I think, for a period of time, so they didn't really ever get the batting sort of firing. And I, and I think as a, as a tournament, it's been um, not probably the tournament you would have expected from the new ball batters across all countries. You know, we were talking about Babar Azana, Mohamed Rizwan. Um, Alex Hales and Joss Butler have only really just come good together in this, you know, final game against Sri Lanka. And certainly Australia have struggled a bit at the top of the order as well with, with you know, with David Warner. So I think, you know, in the show notes, we've got, um, you know, these are quick exit interviews. But I think from an Australian perspective, you know, this is the end of a few T20 careers, I think. Um, even though we've got a tournament coming up in, you know, not not too far away. There's only, what, 18 months or so in between the tournaments, if that. Um, you know, are we going to see Steve Smith, um, potentially um, Marcus Stoinis, Matthew Wade again? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I think they're going to need to have a little bit of a, a rebuild. And then I think that, you know, the other factor here is, you know, from a selection perspective, how on earth is Mitchell Stark not playing? Um, given, you know, the impact that he can have with a couple of deliveries and we talk about matchups and all that kind of stuff. Forget about matchups here. This is a guy that bowls 150 kilometer toe crushing in swinging Yorkers. Um, I, you know, I think if you'd have gone into that Afghanistan dressing room and said, who would you rather face? Uh, with all due respect, Kane Richardson or Mitchell Stark, I, I, you know, they'd have been kind of putting the chest packed back in the bag, wouldn't they? And been like, thanks very much for that. Um, so yeah, so, some muddled thinking, I think, on home soil from um, from Australia. And look, I think we'll also certainly see the end of of, of Aaron Finch now, won't we? Um, from a uh, from a T twenty perspective, I don't think. Um... I don't think that was the issue. Uh, you know, selection, yes, Mitchell Stark should have been playing, 100%. You get no argument from me there. But I don't think that's the reason they're out of this World Cup. I mean, you, you look back to it, you go back to that first innings of the tournament where New Zealand played out of their skin. Finnellan put them on the back foot. Conway had a class of innings. And, and that, that, that's just how it goes sometimes. It's 2020 cricket. And that was a very, very important game. If they had won that game, we're talking about why New Zealand didn't make it. You know what I mean? So it, it's, it's just it, sometimes it comes down to that one game. And um, look, we're just too good for the Aussies apparently now. <laughs> um, so yeah, the rain didn't help. I, I do think we need to... I don't think this is the wrong time of year for this tournament to be going on. It's probably late in the season, but I think it's just been unseasonably, unseasonably wet there at the moment. Um, but yeah, I don't think Australia... I don't think that's the reason Australia lost the, the, 
the selections, but you're hundred percent right. They're going to have a look at who's playing in their team going forward. I think Steve, I actually think Steve Smith is, is, is worth a go again. I think that he holds together that top order, especially if something goes wrong, he's the guy you want. Um, I'm there and have those hitters batting around them, but yeah, interesting times for Australia going forward. How good was that Warner dismissal though? That, that we, uh, it was the, oh, that, I, I, that was just. I think that made my night. That that single moment. Yeah, look, at, uh, you, no arguments from me. Anytime <laughs> David Warner looks stupid is a is a is a day I, I mark with a red circle on the calendar in the Binks uh, in the Binks household. Um, let's talk a little bit about some of the other um, omissions. Um, th- there's one that's not on the list actually, and um, you know I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about South Africa and the inevitable um, C word. Um, when I say C word, it's um, it ends in hoka, uh, not the other one. Um, but yeah, I, I think the one that's not on the list for me is is actually we look at the positives here around you know Bangladesh performing you know pretty well at times throughout the tournament. The Netherlands in Zimbabwe and Ireland all having their moments in the sun throughout well in the rain throughout the course of the tournament. But the one that we don't mention there is the West Indies, and I, I just wonder how worried they are going to be now with the emergence of. Uh, you know, some of these other nations that are um, showing some really, really good T20 form, that they're really going to need to kind of get their house in order um, if they want to be back on this world stage as a team that really have dominated uh, T20 franchise cricket with some of their um, their players. So I think, you know, we'll talk about the others, but, you know, that's the, the glaring bit for me um, in the sort of world cricket order um, that's been, you know, that's perhaps been upset the most throughout the course of uh, throughout the course of this tournament. Well, I mean, Raj, you might want to elaborate on it because I think you just said it before, really, around how T Twenty cricket, the the fact that it is T Twenty cricket has has brought everyone a lot closer together. And I know uh, that people have always kind of said that about T Twenty cricket. It bring, you know, the shorter the format, the the more opportunity there is for upsets and all that kind of stuff but I actually think it's now around these guys these all these players in all of these teams they play a lot of t20 cricket now and they're all getting really good at it and actually yeah I I I think I mean it shows by the fact that no tournament no team in this tournament went through unbeaten there has been upsets if you want to call them all the way through this lineup there are players you know, in those um, lower ranked sides that are performing, putting themselves in the shop window. And, and that's what this stuff is now for, for a lot of these players. It's shop window for them as players and it's shop window for them as nations to kind of get into these tournaments and, and get big money of, that's available from these tournaments that can set up the next few years. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's produced a wonderful World Cup. And, yeah, I think you're spot on that all of these teams are going to have to pay attention. Well, it's interesting, right? If if someone told you that you know Ireland beat was going to beat two Test playing nations and West Indies and and England, although that Duckworth Lewis, I think we need to unpack that a little bit and figure out a different way to sort out those rain affected games. And then Netherlands beat Zimbabwe and South Africa, two Test playing nations. You know, nobody would have believed you two years ago that this was going to happen. Um, it's in one tournament sort of thing. So it shows how how much closer the the teams are getting to each other and how often. They're seeing each other around the world, playing against each other is is um, important as well. That familiarity of of not you know turning up and playing the Australians in Australia, you know, sort of getting you that, putting you on that back foot from a mind mindset perspective. Um, 
yeah, I, I just think that 2020 cricket especially is getting closer and closer in terms of skill level and it just takes one person to have a good day. I mean, I can imagine if, if Finn Allen bats 10 overs, we'll score 300. You know what I mean? That, that's, that's kind of what I'm feeling like in my, in my, in my bones. So, and you know, every other team around the world has a batsman like that. If they come off, uh, they're going to score major runs. If they have a bowler who comes in and bowls incredibly well, how about the hat tricks that we've seen during this tournament? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's just, you have one player, one bowler, one spell, one batsman, and they just take control of the game. That's the beauty of this game. And it's a real level playing field all the way through. Well, guys, let's move on and talk about the semi-finals with no Baldy. I'll attempt a little bit of an explainer here. So Wednesday the 9th is the first semi-final, uh, clearly a day-night game at the Sydney Cricket Ground. There is a reserve day available for um, both the semi-finals and the final, but at the moment, weather for Sydney um, on Wednesday looks uh, a low of 13, a high of 23 and sunshine throughout the course of the day. We then move on to the Adelaide Oval, Thursday the 10th, uh, and that will see um, a very, very short, square, but uh, long straight ground, the Adelaide Oval, um, which will be interesting for those matchups, particularly if Pant uh, continues in that India side um, on a decent um, batting pitch um, at Adelaide. Again, weather set fair um, at the moment, uh, both Thursday and Friday in Adelaide, although they're expecting thunderstorms um, tomorrow. And then... We do move on to the to the Melbourne Cricket Ground for the final. Again, um, Sunday the 13th of November. Um, who's going to predict Melbourne's weather three or four days out? Not me. Um, the weather forecast doesn't look particularly good. Um, is, there again, any, that... um, is there any eliminators or dominators or anything in this um, tournament? Yeah, so, um, yeah, look, a, a lot of people have been giving me a bit of jip today on social media. Um, I, I've voiced that I'm off to, to watch the final. A couple of Kiwi mates have said, well, um, enjoy your New Zealand India um, final. I've said sorry, guys. I think you might have misread my post. I'm not going to watch the third place playoff. Um, but um, yeah, uh, um, look, they started it, and it's your countrymen. So um, <laughs> let's. Uh, um, but no, look, um, there is no dominator or a baconator or, or any other aters. Um, I think we've just got um, a straight shootout, two semi-finals um, and a final, and then yeah, teams obviously off. Um, England bizarrely playing some one-day internationals. Uh, New Zealand back to continue their domestic season. Um, Australia have just announced their test side today. So, um, yeah, by sort of Tuesday, this will all be forgotten about, won't it? But um, before it is, let's talk a little bit about those two semi-finals. New Zealand, Pakistan, what have we got our, our eyes on and what's the form guide telling us as we, we lead into this? Um, you guys must be, you know, pretty confident um, and I guess you always ask that question around who would you rather have faced? You'd have rather faced Pakistan, wouldn't you, coming into to this stage of the, the tournament than than India? Well, Stu was worried about Ireland the other day. I had to reassure him multiple times during that game that everything was going to be all right. <laughs> Look, I think the, the, you mentioned the form guide there for this game, New Zealand-Pakistan. You can just toss that straight out the window. I don't think the form guide matters at all in this game. Pakistan have gotten to a stage here where they were extremely on the back foot. The momentum was completely against them when they lost that game to uh, to India in the first their first game of the tournament. And did they lose? They lost another one along the Zimbabwe. way as well. Zimbabwe as well. Momentum completely against them. They're in a position now where they just need to come off twice. They just need Rizwan or they need Baba or both of them to just come off, 
twice and and they win because their bowling is exceptional. They just need to make sure that they score the runs. In saying that, I'm actually confident that we can actually get over the line here. I, I back the way that we've been playing. It's consistent throughout the tournament. Uh, and yeah, I, I, you know, it's going to be a great game. Uh, if I had to pick a winner, I would pick New Zealand, even though I have picked a Pakistan-England final. Spoiler alert. Um, but I think that New Zealand has the, has the has a real opportunity to win this game. I don't know who the favourite is. Does anyone know who the favourite is on the sports books? Over to you, Stu. Well, yeah, while Binksy checks that out, I, and I don't know, I mean, I would I would say all these um, games have to be sort of 50-50, just about anyway. I think you're, you're a brave person sort of predicting, as we just talked about, the, the variability of these 2020s. It's, you're a brave person to actually, you know, heavily back one side or the other. But I'm delighted to hear that you say that, Raj, that you, you think that uh, New Zealand will be okay because yeah, I can I can back that up. That's not a joke. I was texting you throughout the, the Ireland game saying, are you sure we're okay here? I'm feeling a bit nervous about this. And, uh, you know, Ireland started smashing it in that second, uh, in their innings. And I, you know, had to text you a couple more times. Can you please just send me some reassuring text messages here to, to get things back on track? And then suddenly uh, Santner got one and then, Ish Sodi Bolt has uh, his lovely delivery uh, up there to Paul Sterling and hit those poles, and I started to feel it a bit better. But yeah, look, it's uh, I, I don't know. I completely agree that you're, you're throwing all that stuff out of the window. But I like what you said about how New Zealand has played really consistently in this tournament, and I think actually it, it's almost what's been the most confusing about all of this chat about Kane Williamson the whole time because. I think if you've watched New Zealand for the past three or four years, they've made no secret of the way that they play cricket. They aim to stay in games for as long as possible. They try and take things to the final over, the final couple of overs. They Someone, Conway and Kane, they bat deep. Everyone else is supposed to bat around them. That's how they've structured their cricket with really, really defined roles the whole, like for a long, long time, basically since Brendan McCullum finished his reign and, and Kane Williamson kind of took over. So I, I just, I don't know how you've watched that and kind of got all upset about how New Zealand's played because it's actually worked. And it's, yes, maybe it doesn't work to get you to, you know, 220 in a T20 game in saying that they did get 200. But I agree that that's going to have to have someone like Finn Allen to just go nuts at the start. And, and they are very reliant on that in order to make that happen. But yeah, I think the consistency in the way they've played sort of gives me the impression that they'll be in this game, whether we win it or not, whether, you know, whether Pakistan is able to kind of have that final 1%, 2%, 5% to, to get them the win. New Zealand are going to give us a run for our money. And yeah, look, I, I'm kind of comfortable in that sense when, you know, going into this tournament, I, I didn't really think that they'd be in this position in the semifinals. So, yeah. Binksy, how about you from a, a neutral point of view? I mean, what are you looking at in terms of kind of the deciding things? Because I, I have a couple of things in my mind that I really think are the keys to kind of where this game is won or lost. But I'd, I'd be interested as someone who can actually look at it with a bit more with the head than than the heart than I can. Yeah. So, so look, first of all, I'll cover off the, the betting. And, and look, there is a literally a cigarette paper between these four sides. If you look at, um, I've got all the sites up, but I know uh, New Zealand has like the decimal system. So um, India, 
$3 to win the tournament. England, $3.20. Um, New Zealand, $4. And Pakistan, $4.30. Um, and then when you kind of go to the, you know, the semifinals, that's kind of mirrored. Interesting that that first bracket, that England-India bracket, and they're saying, you know, essentially slight favourites, whoever wins that uh, that second uh, second semi-final. Look, I, I think one of the, the key elements for me is, um, and I talked about it a little bit earlier on, we, we are now playing on, we hope, better batting wickets. So, you know, we, they've had a little bit of time and they're going to have a little bit more time in between the, you know, the finishing of the group stages and the start of these semi-finals to get some some rolling into these, these pitches, you would hope. And so I, I think it is going to be really that sort of battle of the top orders. I think, you know, we we, talk, we spoke about Mohamed Rizwan and Babar Azam um, not really firing throughout the course of the tournament. Um, Conway hasn't really um, fired in a, in, in, a, in a massively meaningful way, um, although has looked, you know, looked quality at times during the course of the tournament. So I think um, that's going to be really, really key um, for me. And then, I, I, you know, I think the other component here is... Um, you know, just what happens in terms of, you know, those, those pitches. The Sydney pitches have been below what you would see as par scores in T20. And um, so, you know, those spin overs and those middle overs are going to be really, really key. Um, so I think um, New Zealand, I think, I do see you as favourites for, for this game because I think you've got that middle and lower middle order um, that has fired throughout the course of the tournament. You, you know, you, the likes of your Glenn Phillips, um, we know Jimmy Neesham is a big game player, very helpfully. You've got that right and left-hand combination in the middle as well um, with, with those two. So I just think your yeah your lower middle order batting fat firepower gets you over the line. And then from a spin perspective, people keep talking about leaving Mitchell Santner out. I've got to say in T20 cricket, he is one of the best white ball uh, bowlers. He, he's so canny. Um, knows his, you know, knows his game so well from that T Twenty perspective. Um, so again, I think yeah, he could be, um, he could be key, particularly because I think Pakistan um, have got, uh, yeah, have got a batting lineup that will try and get after him. And uh, look, you just mentioned spin before, and I mean, I want to just say, Santner, yeah, I, I don't know where where you're, what people you're listening to, but yeah, they can they can uh... Uh, early in the tournament, mate. Early in the tournament, and it was even on New Zealand Talk Radio. You've mm-hmm. got. Um, and look, granted, not cricket specialists, but, you know, the likes of your Darcy Watergraves questioning Simon Dool about leaving him out and playing Michael Bracewell. And, and you know, Simon Dool, to his credit, just said, no, nah, mate, you're talking absolute codswallop. So, uh, <laughs> look, I think there's that kind of perception thing. But, yeah, look, for me, he's almost the first name on the team sheet as, as, a, as a bowler in that lineup. Oh, the way he the way he bowled in that Ireland game. Look, I mean, I know, yeah, I just made a joke really about how nervous I was and, that but that was absolutely serious and and the way the island played Santner and Sodi, they they attacked them those first two overs they both came on after the the sixth or the seventh and eighth over and they attacked them and they they took to Santner they took to Sodi, and that second over that Santner bowled I I mean obviously now in hindsight it was the crucial over but I think it was always going to be the crucial over because if Santner had been taken to in that over, it would have forced Kane Williamson's hand to do something else because New Zealand, I think, if I'm right, have bowled five bowlers their whole the whole tournament. I don't think they've bowled any other. Um, you know, they haven't bowled Nisham, haven't bowled Phillips, and I think that's what they want to do. You know, we're going to talk about a couple of other teams that have got a lot of options all up and down their lineup. But what Santner did amazingly well is he, after that first over, 
immediately knew the pace of the pitch. And he came on and bowled a completely different uh, pace, completely different lengths in that second over. Ish Sodi followed suit that next that next over, and it just completely changed the game. And, and you know, they absolutely came up trumps. And, I mean, it leads me to, we had a question after that game on Twitter. Uh, Rando Matt on, on Twitter asked us, and I'm keen to get your thoughts, Raj, around should we be playing three spinners in, in Sydney? I mean, you know, you just touched on the, the spinovers, and I, I don't quite know how that would work. Um, but, yeah, I'd be, I'd be interested to hear what you think because, I, yeah, I, I sort of shot it down on Twitter. I said I don't think it would happen. Um, but do you think there's any thought to that in their mind? Um, I, yeah, I'm going to unequivocally say no to that. Uh, <laughs> the reason, reason, reason is twofold. One, uh, I don't think we should change a strategy that's working. So it's, it's working. We should, we should stick to what we do well. Secondly, I think that would play into Pakistan's favour. Uh, they love spin bowling. I think they would much rather face Michael Bracewell than, than Lockie Ferguson or Trent Bolt or, or Tim Southey. So I think that we stick with our, our, our pace trio and um, use those spinners how they've been bowling through the middle really well. I think that's the plan to go forward. Yeah, to be fair to the to, to random Matt, it was uh, it was asked, the question was, should we play them against South Africa? And then that wild, wild final day happened. And yeah, so maybe it is a, a different story against them. But yeah, I mean, how do you see this game? We talked a little bit there about um, the batting. You you said if Finn can bat for ten overs, we'll get three hundred. Is like is he the key to you in terms of how we kind of go about our innings? I think he's the key mainly from the personnel we have in our top four. We have Devin Conroy, we have Kane Williamson, who are guys who are going to knock it around until the last eight, five overs where they may launch uh, if they've got a little bit of a pad to launch from. So that makes it really important to get off to a fast start with Finn Allen. And also um, Ben Phillips has a massive role to play uh, as, as an aggressor batting with those other two. Uh, you, you mentioned talk radio, Binksy. I, I, I often you know, take it with a grain of salt. There are some very interesting opinions on there, especially when it comes to cricket. But one thing I actually found interesting was that maybe our, our number three and four should actually be a bit more malleable if Finn Allen was to go out for example maybe Glenn Phillips goes in rather than, than Kane Williamson I thought that's actually not a bad idea that's an interesting thing to think about maybe maybe outside of this tournament but um it's interesting that, that is something interesting but to form to answer your question Finn Allen important for us to get off to a good start and it allows Williamson and Conway to do what they do best and just build a score but they need a bit of a launch pad and and how terrified are you of Pakistan I, I um I, I'm you know, again, I just mentioned about how nervous I got about the Ireland game. This Pakistan game, all it does really is bring back memories of, uh, you know, Pakistan knocking us out. And um, 92 is the one that everyone's going to talk about. And, and there's a, a scary number of parallels to Pakistan's kind of road to this final and, you know, where it is, losing on losing at the MCG in the opening game, stormed home kind of unexpectedly to make the semifinals playing against New Zealand, who, you know, started the tournament with a win against Australia. There's a chance that Pakistan could play England again in the final at the MCG. Like, there's a lot of, you know, if you sort of believe in all, all of those stars lining up, there's a lot of that happening. But, I mean... And kind of 30 years on as well, almost exactly 30 years on. Yeah, yeah. There's a, yeah, a, a lot of the stuff. I have to say, all of all of these, there's... So you've basically got that as an option. You We've got the... The reverse of uh, 2019, if that 
the Cricket World Cup, uh, ODI World Cup, which I don't know if I could bear having to listen to four days of reliving, three or four days of having to listen to relive that moment. Um, so hopefully that doesn't happen for my sake. But yeah, there, and then, you know, the Pakistan-India, obviously, um, chances. But yeah, I mean, who who scares you for Pakistan? Are we are we just terrified of their bowling attack, Raj? Batting, and then, you know, Baba and Rizwan? Because we've talked about Baba and Rizwan a lot, and we've mentioned them a lot even in this podcast, but I don't think either of them have looked very good in this tournament. And, and I think you maybe you mentioned it last time about the bounce. It, oh yeah, I just don't think either of them have kind of looked like the player that they, they even did when, when they were here in New Zealand. Yeah, uh, and, and that's the key to key, key, key for me. I'm I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about. I mean, obviously they're good batsmen. I'm not worried about them in that sense. I'll be grumpy if they start scoring a lot of runs off the front foot. If they're going to score runs, I want them to put me through backward point or pull me over mid wicket, square leg for four. I don't want them hitting straight down the ground. I want them playing off the back foot. From a bowling perspective, they've got a very very. Um, High quality bowling attack all the way through, even with um, Shadab Khan as well bowling spin. I, I, I think that we have the batsmen to deal with it, and we bat deep enough uh, to give guys like Jimmy Nisham a chance at the end to really, um, you know, put the icing on the cake if we can, you know, form some kind of um, launch pad for him towards the end. I'm not worried about it. I think that we've got a really good chance. Um, That's in my heart. My head might say something a little bit different in terms of who I think is going to make the final, but I definitely think that we are. Um, yeah, I'd be I'd be putting my money on New Zealand anyway, even if it's that's my heart. Nice and and look, we we probably better move to that other semi final. Binksy, how are you feeling about this game? I mean, obviously you mentioned it just before. You've given a hint to the the listeners there. You're going over to the game, so I'm sure you know. As much as it would be fun to go and see India, Pakistan, or something in the final at a packed MCG, that that atmosphere and that pool game looked absolutely amazing. But I'm sure you know you, you want to see England and you want to see England lift this World Cup. Are you, are you feeling? Is the the fact that you're going is that some level of confidence that you think they'll be there? Uh, probably the reverse, actually. I I, I kind of just <laughs> I just thought about it. Um, you know, how many times are you going to get to go and see a World Cup final um, in the sport that you love at a ground as iconic as the MCG? And um, the answer is not very often. Um, so I, for for me, that's why I kind of just went. I, I'm not really. Yes, I'm clearly bothered who's in that final, um, but I wanted to almost book the tickets, get you know, get on the plane. Um, and be be delighted with the outcome, whether it's you know a repeat of that '92 final, an India Pakistan final, or you know going over to see you know New Zealand face up against um, um, against India in the final. So uh, yeah, not not really massively um, yeah massively sort of hedging my bets in any way um, based on the purchase of a uh, of, of a plane ticket. Look, I think India are looking ominous at the moment. They're just starting to kind of really ramp up that kind of form. Um, I, I think, you know, I, I guess you can look at it a couple of ways, but they've made a couple of changes to the side. We mentioned earlier on Rishabh Pant coming in. Uh, Dinesh Kartik had played the early stages of that tournament. Um, and I think if you see that from other teams, you'd say, well, that's a, you know, that's a, a panic or that's a change. But I think it's quite deliberate in terms of the way that they've utilised their squad. 
And, and we've joked about it often that, you know, they could almost pick three T20 sides uh, from the wealth of talent that they've got. And, and, and you'd be scared. You know, we've got the likes of, I don't know, Ishan Kishan, who's, you know, carved up the, the IPLs, not even on the plane, I don't think. Um, you've got guys that are outside that, um, you know, outside that starting 11 that, are, you know, are fantastic players in their own right as well. So, look, I, I'm, I do see India as favourites. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. Not only and, and 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 probably firstly their talent with you know Yadav and Kohli having a great tournament so far. Arshdeep Singh, who I picked at the start of the tournament, as one to watch, has had a really good tournament, I think. But then the other thing I think is England have got some um, some questions. Um, David Milan is going to be out uh, of this tournament. He's not really fired during the course of the tournament. Um, but also, I think what's happened is he's been kind of shunted down the order on a couple of occasions because they've seen him playing almost like that Williamson role. Um, and they've said, we don't need it the way that, you know, our, our guys will go um, hard from ball one. I hope England keep their nerve and play the same um, formation, if you like, and, and bring Phil Salt in um, to that batting lineup. Um, I fear they will go down the route of trying to bring in um, Chris Jordan as an additional um, death bowler. But I think if they're going to beat India, I think they're going to, um, you know, they're going to need all of the batting firepower, and they've got to trust the fact that Sam Curran has had some IPL experience and has bowled really, really well at the death in this tournament. And Mark Wood, if he comes off, um, and he doesn't need to come off in his first over, as as was proved against Sri Lanka, he was actually quite expensive, but then came back and just destroyed a couple of guys in that middle order with, you know, genuine, uh, genuine pace. So. Look, that's I guess that's how I'm kind of seeing um, this England India game. I think um, it is going to be which bowling side um, holds their nerve because with those short square boundaries um, and both teams having the ability to have that kind of right hand left hand combination throughout the course of their um, their order if they you know if they pick the right um, the right players um, even with you know India Rishabh and Aksar who can hit a decent cricket ball. Um, coming in as a, as a left-hand option. I just I just think it's going to be, um, look, wear your helmets if you're hitting square is all I'm saying, um, if you're in the in the crowd and keep an eye on the game throughout the course. I was actually um, going to ask you where you think the game will be won, but I guess you've, you've kind of answered that with the who you think is going to bowl better. What do you reckon are the key matchups? Who, 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 what, what are the battles that you want to see won for England to, 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 to win this game? Yeah, so I think if I start with the with the batting, I, I think England, I think, have got to start really, really well. Um, I think if we look at where England haven't really fired at any point in this tournament, and you could say that that's a good thing because they've got two games left to fire, is everyone's talked about how deep England bat. We've not really seen Harry Brook get going yet, um, who had a great series in Pakistan when he burst onto the scene. We've not really seen Liam Livingston get going yet. Um, we've not really seen Moen Ali get going yet. Um, so I think, um, you know, that's going to be a factor. But I, I'm going to look at it the reverse way. And I think that both Hales and Butler, have, you know, have got to get us off to a good start against um, the new ball pairing of what will probably be, um, I would think, Bhuvi Kumar and, um, uh, and, and Arshdeep uh, Singh, as, as we said. And then I think that from a, an England perspective that, you know, the, the matchup is going to be, um, from a bowling perspective, I think 
um, how the new ball guys go against uh, uh, Sharma, uh, Rahul, and then hopefully get Coley in early. So um, I really think it's important that, you know, the likes of Chris Wokes and, and potentially even Sam Curran, um, you know, get going. And we know that England won't be afraid as well to bowl an overall two of spin in that power play as well. And, um, you know, um, Adil Rashid coming in and bowling a fantastic over the sixth over in that game against Sri Lanka. Um, and Moen Ali's also bowled at the top as well. So I think um, really how we bowl at that top order, if we can get India um, three down inside that power play, I think that's a big key to the game if England are going to be successful um, at the Adelaide Oval. Can I can I just say, I think it would be a massive, uh, a massive wrong move for England if they do decide to bring in Jordan, N- nothing against Chris Jordan. But I would say that they, when I look at their team on paper, the they're the most balanced side in this whole tournament, the way they line up from start to finish. And that's because of all of the genuine all-rounders that they have in the side, the likes of Stokes, the likes of Ali, the likes of Livingston in this T20 format, which we might not have said 18 months ago about his bowling, but he's able to come in and really contribute now. Even Sam Curran is able to come in and contribute a reasonable amount with the bat. You know, I would say he's contributing probably more than someone like Mitchell Santner if we're comparing it to New Zealand. Curran is, at least at least in the way that he's being used, he's someone that England views as someone that they can throw up the order or do something with. So it gives them, you know, genuine flexibility to just play however the game they think they that needs to be played. And if they then go and, you know, replace Milan with... Chris Jordan, like you say, they don't need any more bowling options. I, I and and I don't even think they need any more death bowling options. Their death bowling's been excellent in this tournament. So yeah, I think that would be a a, a massive, massive uh, wrong move. I mean, you know, Chris Jordan's going to come out now and play and and take three for or something. And I mean, th- they get the benefit of him anyway because they just sub him on on the field and he can take all the catches. They kind of found a way to get him on the field and do that anyway which uh, has caused a lot of upset, um, a lot of people to get upset on, on uh, social media. But look, the the only other thing that you didn't mention around the big matchups, and you know maybe Raj, you can you can deal to this. How are England going to get Syria Kumayadav out? I mean, on that, that guy, like I just said before. Man <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's the only way. I mean, he just looks so unbelievable. And, and the way that he comes in and, and is able to strike from ball one. It, it is seriously something to watch. I, you know, I guess this is again not not uh, you know not a revelation from here from me. He's the number one T Twenty ranked batsman, and I, I believe Darwin Milan was also number one ranked batter at one point. But yeah, Surya Kumar Yadav. I mean, how how are they going to deal with him? Uh, with with a big stick before the game, maybe. Um, <laughs> that's probably the only way. I think that he is. You can't bowl to him at the moment. He's just yeah. hitting everything: spin bowlers, pace bowlers, short, full, wide. He's he's putting them all away. But here's the thing, right? Even if they do deal to him, you've still got to get rid of Virat Kohli. You've still got to get rid of Rishabh Pant. You've still got to get rid of Rohit Sharma. That that's why I think half of his job is is a lot easier because he has. All of them have that support around them. It's a lot easier um, if you look at, you know, batting all the way down to six in that Indian side with Pandya there as well. They're just such a talented batting lineup and, and it just takes the pressure off you. You can go out there and do that sort of stuff. To answer your question, I don't have the answer. I'm, I'm, I'm a batsman by trade. Um, I'm just going to admire his batting. Sorry. 
No, no, that's okay. Look, I'll throw another question to both of you because we had we did have another question come through on Twitter and, and from Devanch, and that was really around how important the toss will be for, for both semifinals. But I guess we're talking about the England-India one, and, and you guys have mentioned the dimensions of the ground and, and all of that kind of stuff. Do you think that that's going to play into this? I will just sort of give my answer for the New Zealand one and, and say that I think New Zealand will be really keen to bat first. And, and I think just that's because of the way, not necessarily because of, I mean, we're saying this without seeing the pitch and, and ground conditions and all of that, but I, I think that that's just more of a mindset. And I, and I guess that that's, uh, you know, we, I guess we're thinking about this tournament. We've batted first and we've won and we've uh, bowled, uh, we've bowled first and we've lost, but I don't actually think, I, th- I think that that's, because of uh, just how we bat, it takes a lot of pressure off us to bat first and we can set up our innings and then be able to put ourselves in a position where our bowling is our real strength and we can kind of put the squeeze on teams and, and believe that we're in it no matter what we get. So, yeah, I think that we'll be pretty keen to to bat first in that tournament set or in, in that semi final and set up a score. But, I mean, Binksy, from an England point of view, do you think that they have a, a strong preference either way? Yeah, look, I think if you'd have gone back, um, you know, a little while ago, um, in England have obviously set up that, you know, they've got such a powerful batting unit that, um, you know, they've trusted, you know, they've trusted that batting unit explicitly. I think if you actually look at the way that they've actually set up in recent times, though, seven match series in Pakistan, um, this World Cup, they've actually gone against um the you, you know the, the notion of, of chasing down totals on occasions and said do you know what we're comfortable to bat first and I, I think they've actually deliberately put themselves in difficult positions as well and I, I go back to that Pakistan tour where I think um there was a lot made of the tosses in that series where England often chose to do the opposite of what you thought they would do in order to probably give themselves those kind of tests leading into this tournament and um, all I hope and this is for both games really I do hope that um, at the Sydney Cricket Ground, the wicket is one that's going to hold up and that's not going to differ too much from uh, from first innings to second innings. If we look at um, that England-Sri Lanka game, it was the third um, third consecutive game, I think, on that wicket. And it really had started to dry out. And I think another 20 runs would have made it um, almost unfair to, you know, to have been batting first. Um, because I don't think those you know conditions were equal, so I hope for the sake of the, the game uh, that you guys have got at the SCG, it is a you know a decent and hopefully a fresh um, a fresh wicket. And look, the same in, in Adelaide, you, you know you don't want it to be um, a tournament where that you know that it's win the toss, win the game, and, and and we haven't seen that throughout the course of the tournament. So um, I, I think um, England will be will be happy to do whatever uh, the coin tells them they're going to do, and. And going back to that mantra of controlling what you can control, and you know you can't control um, the coin toss at the start. I think um, New Zealand. I think New Zealand will want to want to bat first. I agree with everything you said there, Joe. I'm not going to go back into that. From the England India perspective game, if I was England, I'd want to. I'd want to. I'd want to chase. The reason being is because I don't want India chasing my <laughs> score. We've seen what they can do. Um, you know, in that first game against Pakistan, uh, chasing down. I, I think India will believe, and they genuinely believe they can chase anything. You put any score in front of them, they'll they'll want to chase it. And I think uh, that's how they've played their you know limited overs cricket for the last decade. They've they've always been very very good chasing. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see England win the toss and put them in maybe. But um, 
yeah, that's what I'd want to do if I was um, I was who's the English captain? If I was, Joss. I was going to say Owen Morgan, Joss Butler. If I was Joss Butler, that's what I'd be doing. No, we had a very awkward moment there when Owen Morgan was standing next to Alex Hales, and that at, at the end of that that final game when he was sitting there as his as his capacity as a, a media man. But look, uh, we, we're sort of nearly at the hour mark, so it's probably time. Uh, the time, the bit that I sort of hate when it comes to these New Zealand uh, situations, but we should probably come to actually making some predictions for for our semi final winners, and 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 uh, I guess then on on to the final. Uh, you know, my head and, and heart are, are very difficult to split in this. But um, look, why don't you start us off here, Raj? You sort of alluded to it before, but then I'm kind of confused because I'm sure you said that you thought New Zealand was going to win, but then you said Pakistan was going to be in the final. So if you can explain to me how that works, that would be great. Okay, let, let me change that. I go. I think New Zealand can win. Oh no! Um, but I, I at the, before before the start of the tournament, I picked a Pakistan England final um, with England to win it. Uh, so that that's sort of I'm going to ride that that home, um, but. Like I said at the start, if if you know if New Zealand make it out of the pool, feel free to email me and ridicule me. If New Zealand make it to the final and win the final, feel free to email in and, and ridicule me. Uh, I'll be happy to take that. Banksy, over to you. Yeah, look, again, look, I'm going to lean back on my bold predictions. Um, I think someone asked earlier on the podcast who would have predicted Ireland would have taken two major test playing nations Um in this tournament I did so I'm going to ride that bold prediction all the way home um, I did I think say they'd finished third in um, in their in their group they didn't quite manage that and um, look I, I've got to say I think this is a New Zealand India final um, that you know that's what all the bookmakers are predicting it's probably where the sort of form leading into the tournament is going as well we've, we've talked about India firing we've talked about um, New Zealand kind of coming together just at the right time so um that's not the final I want. I'd love to see an England-Pakistan final, a, a rerun of that 92 um, World Cup final so we can get um, yeah, get our revenge uh, for, for many, many moons ago. Imran Khan um, seeing his team uh, seeing his team home. But look, I've got to say, I think India, New Zealand, the form sides in this tournament and now um, that'll be the team that I'm hopefully watching on Sunday or the teams that I'm, I'm watching on Sunday night. Fair enough, fair enough. I, I Yeah, I look, I, I honestly... It's taken me. I, I I went. I pushed you guys first because I, I'm still trying to decide, and and I I I think particularly in this Pakistan New Zealand game because I, I sort of tend to agree. My my heart is my heart very much is obviously saying New Zealand, but I really feel like these two sides are sort of two flawed sides in that I don't see New Zealand as a side that can can absolutely match it with the best sides in terms of firepower. And and I talked about that in the preview. We, we I think we all sort of alluded to that. And, and I don't think that's going to come as any surprise to anyone. But I think we're, you know, we're a much more balanced and consistent side. And and I think that that probably gets us the win in the against Pakistan in the way that Pakistan is playing at the moment. Because I don't think Pakistan are playing the way that they were this time last year when this, this tournament came, you know, when, when they got to the semifinals last year, then, then they're not riding on a, a real wave of runs and, and stuff from Babar and Rizwan. Those have slowed down a little bit, you know, in this tournament at least. And I just think if you played this game, you know, on Wednesday night, 
10 times, I think New Zealand probably win six or seven of them, the way that the two sides are playing at the moment. But, uh, you know, I, I just can't, I can't really split them in terms of how I feel that this is going to happen. I would love to, I would obviously love for, for New Zealand. On the flip side to, to that next game, I, I think England is going to win. And, I, and I, the reason I say that is because of their balance and, and the stuff that I touched on before. I just think that they're so much better set up to to kind of take on any situation. If it's, you know, if, um, that Adelaide pitch, it actually, um, you know, I mean, who knows what pitch they're going to be playing on, but, you know, New Zealand and Ireland's game, that pitch turned, you know, really turned a lot. Mitchell Santner, when he bowled slow, it was, you know, it was turning a great deal. So I think, you know, Moeen Ali could have a part to play. Again, you talked about him as someone coming in and bowling in the early overs. I know India are very good players against spin, but yeah, I just think that they're they're so well set up for whatever the game situation is. They can throw batters and chase down any target. If Butler and Hales get them off to a great start, I would back them to to beat India and yeah, I don't know, have to endure maybe twenty nineteen all over again uh in that final and um yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I do think England's the best team left in this tournament in terms of 1-11. to 11. But, you know, again, I, I, I've gone round in circles here because wouldn't it be amazing to see an India-Pakistan final? So I don't even really know what I've just said, but if you guys want to give me your winners of the final and, and then, we can, uh, <laughs> then we can stop this podcast. Yeah, England for me, I think that, um, as you said, they, they are the... Most balanced side, I think that they've had the best preparation um, coming into it. That, that seven match, uh, seven match series in Pakistan might have been a real masterstroke, especially if they have to play them in the final. Um, so yeah, England for me. And Binksy, I can't look, I can't look past India. Um, an embarrassment of cricketing riches, and I think um, two games now. Um, There'll be packed houses, uh, those India games, um, wherever they've gone in this tournament, they've had uh, the support that they get all around the world. And I just think that that will, um, that will see them home. So yeah, India, um, India by a margin, in my view. I'll be stunned if it's by a margin. I, I honestly think that this, this tournament's been great. And look, you know, whatever happens, I think this tournament's been absolutely fantastic. And I, I honestly can't remember, I can't remember a World Cup where I've enjoyed the other games more than, more, ever more than than this tournament you know I obviously New Zealand have done really well and there's been certain uh, tournaments that I've loved from a New Zealand point of view probably more than this one I mean probably in the sense that you know there's only been three or four games for for each side so far and I think some of those other tournaments the big campaigns that I've loved but from an actual every night I can just turn on this TV and I know that I'm going to have a great game or two sometimes to watch. It's I, yeah, I can't go, can't go past this tournament. So yeah, look, I, as I said before, I, th- I think England wins, but I, I, I don't know that I'll be disappointed. Uh, you know, aside from New Zealand not winning, if they don't, I, I don't think I'll be disappointed by what's to come in these two semi-finals and finals. So yeah, roll on, roll on tomorrow and roll on these games. Eh, have a good time and have a good time over there, Mixie. Thanks, guys. And, and look, I guess that does just about wrap up the podcast. We will be back in your feed probably this time next week um, to see just how badly um, our predictions have gone um, for the semis and finals. If there is anyone out there that can recommend a decent place for brunch after the final, 
uh, Monday morning um, and a bar perhaps to drown um, the sorrows. Um, yeah, do drop into um, our DMs or our socials and let me know uh, where I should be going for the best coffee in Melbourne. You uh, Victorians think you've got better coffee than us here in Auckland. So um, put your money where your mouth is and let us know where I should be going for my flat white. Um, but for now, it is good night and God bless from us all here in Auckland. We'll be back on your Top Order podcast feed uh, with a wrap-up for the final next week. See you soon. Good night.